You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Look Ahead part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Carrera from Niners Nation. He is RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? How goes it, Stats? It's a great time to be alive. The Dallas Cowboys won last week. Uh, something that everybody needs to know still, even on Thursday. Survivor is back in our lives, premiered on Wednesday night, a two-hour premiere. Jeff Probst, the best host in all of television. The Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles square off this week, so lots of high energy flying around the SB Nation universe. I have a coffee in my hand, if that isn't obvious. And uh, it's great to be here looking in uh, your beautiful brown eyes. We've, all, we've never met in person, so I've, I'm, this is harder to guess. They are, in fact, Brown. Good job by you. Um, if you're new to the show, this is the show where we take a deep dive into the four best games of the week, and we preview every other game on Thursday and Sunday. And that's why I'm in such a good mood, RJ, because the Cowboys and Eagles play on Monday night, so we don't have to talk about them. If you want that, go download the NFC East mix. There we go. <laughs> Complete. Come on, Stats. You can't plug the show and not describe where it can be found. It can be found at Bleeding Green Nation and at Blogging the Boys. Either one, both. You can download it twice if you want. That'd be the best thing for everybody. Are you happy now? I got the NFC East mixtape plug in there. I just want to say that I get accused of plugging things a lot, and you brought it up first, so thank you. We, th- we thank you at the NFC East mixtape. By the way, you uh, don't listen, and BLG will be mad at me for telling you this, but you should go listen to this week's episode. That's all I'll say. It, all right. You, you, you might have a bone to pick with BLG after you do. What else is new? Uh, by the way, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody, subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show if you haven't done so already. And RJ, I don't know if you know this, we have a new sponsor on the show. Oh, uh, yeah? Yes, the SB Nation NFL show is brought to you by Necco Wafers. Necco Wafers, the candy that nobody likes. All right, let's dive into the first game of the week. Bucks and Rams. Rams getting one and a half points. I'm fascinated by this game, RJ. The Bucks look like world beaters. Sean McVay's got a shiny new toy in Matthew Stafford. I think this is going to be the game of the week. Yeah, um, certainly the game before the primetime games. This might be the best week of primetime games, not counting Thursday night football. Uh, there's a nod to your San Francisco 49ers. But um, this this game took a turn on Wednesday because Antonio Brown tested positive for COVID-19. Adam Schefter suggests that it's unlikely that he'll play. Uh, Adam did intimate that Antonio Brown is vaccinated. I haven't seen anybody confirm that, but that was, uh, again, the intimation. And if that is indeed the case, Antonio can return if he has negative tests that are 24 hours apart. But considering that you and I are talking on Thursday, it's starting to be a situation where he's running out of time. This is maybe the two, at the time, most exciting offenses in the NFC, arguably in the NFL, at least at at this particular moment in time. I'll do respect to the Chiefs. Um, But this is, I don't want to be dramatic, and I said this on on the daily kickoff, this could decide who gets the first round by in the NFC. I mean, it really could be that big of a game when it's all said and done. 
Are you willing to say that the winner of this game is the number one seed in the NFC? I mean, I'm willing to say that right now, um, obviously. And nobody nobody will have the patience to come back and listen to this in week 17 or 18. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm totally fine saying that. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, I know we're only two weeks in. I saw there's a great uh, great account um, in Cowboys Twitter called Cowboys Stats and Graphics that's really self-deprecating. Uh, does a great job, though, kind of educating people with with deeper-level analysis. And uh, it, it was, it was kind of calming down people and said, guys, the sample size is literally about to grow by 50%. <laughs> you know, like that, like that. That's where we're at. Uh, but, um, but you know, acknowledging the really small sample size, who is the team in the NFC that could challenge them? You know, for for that particular thing, I think the Cowboys are a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to be the top seed. I mean, I think right now the only one you can throw out confidently, or the only two maybe, um, are the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they are they've shown flashes of an elite offense so far. And because they've done it, the Green Bay Packers, although uh, certainly. Whoa, you know, whoa, we're, we're, what? What? Hold on. I mean, Hold I'm, on. I'm just saying, you know, off of precedence, you know, I don't want to give them that due. And believe me, I don't. And by the way, Stats, I know you're not a golf fan. This weekend is also the Ryder Cup, uh, which is golf's greatest event. And the European team came out to Whistling Straits' golf course on Wednesday, sporting gear that was Green Bay Packers themed. And this this tournament's taking place in Kohler, Wisconsin. So, you know, peel into the crowd. But, you know, all the more reason to dislike the Europeans and the Packers that they're now <laughs> interlinked together. I don't want to get too far off the rails here. But you left off a team in the NFC that could challenge both of these teams. And you know who I'm going to say. The Carolina Panthers on Thursday Night Football. That's right. Uh, no, not quite. The San Francisco 49ers, who, by the uh, way, own Sean McVay and the Rams. Mm. Haven't lost to the Rams in two years. And have looked every bit as good as they were in 2019 when they made the Super Bowl. So I'm just throwing that out there. I know this this conversation is about the Bucks and the Rams, but I'll say, look, stats. The 49ers, if they look, if Trey Lance is their quarterback, I'm totally with you, and at least I think I'm with you. We need to see him. But they are so trapped by Jimmy Garoppolo. I just can't. I can't put them in that conversation with Jimmy Garoppolo. It has nothing to do with the rest of the team with Kyle Shanahan. I know I've trolled you a thousand times with that. <laughs> he 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 is their glass ceiling. I mean, oh. he he really is. Okay, I agree with you. We'll get to them later. They're going to come up later. But with this game, I know you mentioned the sample size, but I just want to point out, I know the Bucks are a wrecking crew. They're scoring almost 40 points a game, but they're also allowing 27 points a game. The Rams are only allowing 19 points a game. So I think this is going to be a fascinating matchup. Can Aaron Donald and that Rams defense get pressure on Tom Brady? I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Brady because last year we saw he was extremely pressure-averse uh, and I think part of that was because his knee was banged up, too. So he was not trying to take hits. The knee is now fixed. So I'm interested. Does he hang in there a little more than we saw last year? Or is he still, you know, he's just willing to chuck it, throw it away and move on to the next play. But that's going to be a huge factor for me in this one is how much the Rams defense can bother Brady. To me, this also, I agree with everything you said. This is a, a classic Bulbasaur Venusaur game where you look at kind of the beginning version of something and what they are in their most evolved state. And I know everybody thinks that Sean McVay's most evolved state is Bill Belichick. It's not. It's Bruce Arians. Because when Sean McVay's that old, he's still going to be, like, all up in the media. Still, <laughs> you know, like, you know, trying to be charismatic. Like, Sean McVay's not going down the Bill Belichick, you know, uh, archetype path in terms of character and personality. And th these two teams are, like, weirdly intertwined. Jameis Winston had that really big game a few years ago when they went to L.A. and beat the Rams when the Rams were kind of at the height of their powers. Uh, you've got Aaron Donald, as you mentioned. You've got Vita Vea. You've got Ndamukong Su. It's a Sioux revenge game. I mean, you've 
you know, this is a really exciting game to be this early in the season. Everybody wants to know, or everybody wants everyone to know, excuse me, that it is Tom Brady's first ever trip to Los Angeles to play an NFL game. Uh, so <laughs> we've, got, we've got that element going on. And one last thing that I have to say here, Stats, I owned up to this on Twitter on Wednesday, and I think you'll disagree, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a couple of platforms, you know, to talk about football. I was wrong, and I'm ready to admit that. The Rams uniforms are nice. I, I hated on them last year. They are nice. I still don't love the the helmet logo or the midfield logo, but the color scheme just pops, man. Like, I love it. It really does look good. What do you do if you're the Rams and you're Jalen Ramsey? Do you put Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans the whole time and do you just say, we're not letting him beat us, or do you rotate him around? What do you do? I think you do, especially with Antonio Brown potentially not playing in this game. You know what I mean? And – I although I mean you're not going to put Rams on him, but man Gronk is such a factor. It's it's strange, and I know this will upset you. Uh, I've had this conversation with a few people. I think if if we ranked the top three tight ends in the NFL right now, like if I had to pick who the top three were specifically, I have to take George Kittle out. I have to put Rob Gronkowski in right now. I mean Gronk is back, dude, and and that might be the biggest factor for the Bucks on offense. He looks fantastic right now. He's got four touchdowns in two games. This is, to me, I'm kind of interested. He didn't have a ton of yards. I think he had less than 40 yards last week. But he's obviously a threat near the end zone. I want to see, like, is this is he going to have one of those crazy Gronk years where he puts up 1,200 yards with 15 touchdowns? Or is it going to look more like last year where he was a red zone threat but not really too much? So I'm willing to say that, like, there's a chance he could be back. And obviously that would be massive for the Buccaneers. Uh, I think Sean McVay is going to go into his bag in this game. I really do. I think that he likes being the golden boy, for lack of a better term. He likes being the boy genius. I think it pisses him off that people sort of think that Belichick figured him out in the Super Bowl and that he hasn't been as effective since then, that he's somehow, you know, unable to adapt or anything like that. I think he's going to want to come out in this game and say, look, I'm still the boy genius. Look at my shiny new toy in Matthew Stafford. Look how great we are. You know, I'm back and everything's rolling now with the Rams. So I think he's going to go into the bag a little bit and pull out all the stops. I 100% agree with you. I mean, and again, you know, the only coach who's probably been more well-received on any NFL films platform like Hard Knocks or All or Nothing is Bruce Arians, right? And so I think that pisses Sean McVay off. Like, he, he wants to be the most charismatic. He wants to be the guy who, you know, they do the fancy cover art for, you know, he wants to be that dude. And, you know, Sean McVay, interestingly, like, interestingly enough, lives in both worlds. Like, he wants to be regarded as the, like, elite mind that is the older head coaches, like Bill Belichick, like Pete Carroll, you know. I don't think John Harbaugh's old, but, like, the guys who have, you know, been there and done it for a long time. But he also wants to be in the camp of the young, hip guys at the same time, the Cliffs and the, you know, Shanahan's. And, you know, you, you can't be both. You know what I mean? You you You... That, that makes a really awkward decision for you at the lunch table, you know, Sean. Like, who are you going to go sit with? You know what I mean? Which friends are you prioritizing here? Because one group's going to be pissed off. He's very, very concerned about his image. And one thing that always sticks with me, when I was producing Pro Football Talk, we had Sean McVay live on our set. We were at the owners' meetings. And Sean McVay, when he came on the show, made it a point to shake every single person's hand that was on the set. Me, the rest of the crew, camera people, everybody. He made it a point to do that before he started his interview. You don't do that 
accidentally. You do that for a reason. He wants to create this goodwill. He wants to be the media guy. So I think you're going to see it. I think it's going to be awesome for us as fans. I think it could be, you know, the over-under for the game is 55. I I would take the over, to be honest. I think this could be like like Rams Chiefs was back in the day. Mm. It's crazy how long ago that was. You know, like, I like to look at time sometimes through this prism. That no, was no, don't do that. that don't okay. do that analogy. I hate that analogy. Listen, it's super long and confusing. The, the don't same, do it. The same distance of time exists no. between that moment and, and our current moment as it did the Broncos winning the Super Bowl and that moment. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I still don't think that's easy to understand Whatever, for stats. people. <laughs> go to the next game. Just go to the go to the next game. The no, next speaking game. of the Chiefs, Chargers at Kansas City, Chiefs giving six and a half. Uh, for what it's worth, Mahomes is four and one against the Chargers in his career. My question with this one, RJ, when do we start to worry about the Chiefs' defense? I know it's a small sample size. It's been two weeks. They are dead last against the run. They are giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground and allowing 7.6 yards per play. So there is a school of thought that, you know, look, you've got Patrick Mahomes. Your defense can suck. He's going to bail you out every week. But that's just not sustainable. It's not. I mean, it will happen more often than not, particularly because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But that is just not sustainable, especially when you run into an offense that can also put up a lot of points. I think that, you know, a reason a lot of people, you know, picked the Chargers to win the AFC West over the Chiefs was, you know, and I heard, I believe it was Dave Damashek to put it this way. The, you know, I, I think the difference between the two teams is defense. I think the Chargers defense is much more better then the Chiefs' offense is better than the Chargers' offense. Does that make sense? Nope. Say it again. <laughs> the, the advantage that the Chargers have on defense compared to Kansas City's defense is greater than the advantage that the Chiefs have on offense to the okay. Chargers. And so that, you know, it's not not a wash in that sense. Like if you do the math, so to speak, there there is an advantage to be found inherently and it is on the defensive side of the ball. Now I'll say, you know, the reason for that advantage on the Chargers is Joey Bosa. He's the X factor. Derwin James is there. And look, I don't want to turn this into like pounding my chest over the Cowboys, but Joey Bosa went up against a second year undrafted free agent tackle last week and Terrence Steele and lost. You know, Mike Michael Parsons had a better day rushing the passer than Joey Bosa did in his second NFL game. And so maybe it was an off day for Bosa. Maybe Terrence Steele's gonna turn into a Hall of Famer. You know, like there are a lot of different factors there. But you know, I, I don't think the Chargers are coming off their best game. I really want to pick the Chargers in this game. I really, really, really do, especially to – I had a great time trolling Pete Tweedy on Monday, if it wasn't obvious. <laughs> uh, but I really would love to do it again. However, you know, Stets um, – and again, not to make this about the Cowboys, but this is a, a an indictment I have on the Chargers, who I still do believe in. But you know how everybody killed Mike McCarthy for the end of that game and how the Cowboys managed it, even though they kicked the game-winning field goal to beat L.A., right? Right. Brandon, Brandon Staley had all three timeouts. And – didn't burn a single one, like was was completely not concerned with preserving time <laughs> to give Justin Herbert the ball back, you know, because the, while it was, you know, touch and go, the Cowboys were in field goal range, you know, like that was the time where Brandon Staley had to say, crap, I need to get the ball back. And it was his second NFL game. I still do believe in him, but that was a huge, I think that was a bigger mistake than, than Mike McCarthy's ultimately. And you could argue it did cost his team the game. So Right now, I and the Chiefs are so good when they're upset and they're pissed off. And I think that they have really not liked this week and everybody kind of dancing on their graves a little bit after the Ravens beat them. I think this could be a Chiefs statement win, unfortunately. Can the Chargers get a coach that knows how to manage the clock? Like, that's allowed, right? Like, come on. It's not 
difficult and coaches screw it up every single week. That, that's an interesting factor. Like, you know, the Chiefs have been everybody's darling, but do they sort of, you know, does the bloom kind of come off the rose and does that kind of shift as we go along? One thing with the Chargers, this is a weird stat I came across, right? They are first in average yards gained per drive. The average Chargers drive gains 49 yards, but they are just 25th in scoring because they have been hideous inside the red zone. 10 trips inside the red zone this year, just three touchdowns for the Chargers. I think that's going to change. I think it's going to change in a big way this week. I think I'm going to take the Chargers. First of all, I'm definitely taking the points, and I think I'm taking the Chargers to win outright. I disagree, honestly, and again, it, it pains me too because I really like the Chargers. I like everything they have going on. You mentioned they have three touchdowns. They scored, think about this, they scored more touchdowns against Washington than they did against Dallas. Like, who would have ever thought, you know, that that would have been the case coming into this season? And, you know, Justin Herbert threw a red zone interception last week, and it wasn't like a great break on the ball. It was just threw it right to DeMonte KZ. I mean, you know, just a really bad moment for the Chargers. And they've had some weird things happen, too. There were a lot of penalties last week against Dallas both ways. They also had that really weird play against Washington, The what was ruled the fumble that Justin Herbert threw that ultimately went out the back of the end zone. So they've had some, some chargering going on, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I just – we talked about Sean McVay and, and caring about how the media views him. I don't think it's – to as strong of a degree, but I do think the Chiefs are bothered that, you know, pe people think that they're vulnerable. Pe people think, like, I think the Chiefs feel like it's an insult that anyone could ever think that any other team is even remotely close to their level, despite the fact that they lost the Super Bowl last year. So I, I think this game might be close, but I think this is a game, I don't think the Chargers know how to how to cut a team's head off. You know, and that that's what you have to do to the Chiefs. That's what the Bucks did. It's a and great we, point. And we saw the Browns not know how to do that. You have it's like when you when you watch a scary movie and you know the the good people, you know, like hit the bad guy with a baseball bat and then walk away and leave the bat. <laughs> right. there. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, no, you like you gotta end this. And that's what the Browns did to the Chiefs. And then, like, you know, 20 minutes later, the bad guy's back, and you're like, oh, well, you know, these are the consequences of your own action. And the Chargers just do not know how to do that right now. And so I could see it being touch and go late and then, like, some crazy Chiefs stuff happening where they pull away and they cover. That's a really, really good point. Do you have that killer instinct, that finishing instinct, the step-on-your-throat kind of a thing? The Chargers never seem to. Uh, and we'll see if they can pull it off this week. All right, let's take a break. We still have two more deep dives to take and our lightning round. I know you're going to want to troll me with 49ers Packers, so we'll get to that. And we'll get to what I think could be one of the most interesting games of the week because of a rookie quarterback finally getting a chance to start. Back here on The Look Ahead, still taking our deep dives into week three. Next up, Sunday night football, RJ. It's Packers. It's 49ers. Surprise that the spread in this one is just 49ers by three. I think that they are going to win this game. I have said since the schedule came out that the 49ers were going to win this game. I think it's a crazy environment that the Niners are going to have. It's the first time fans are back in Levi's Stadium since they played the Packers in the 2019 NFC Championship game. Nick Bosa is playing a Week 3 game for the first time since 2019. They're 2-0. They're wearing those sweet, sweet 94 49er uniforms, the best 49er uniforms of all time, in which they've never lost. I think this is going to be a super hostile environment for Aaron Rodgers. You tell me why I'm wrong. Despite the fact that you brought up the 1994 49ers, which is a, um, you know, a, a point of pain in my life. Um, by the way, I don't know if you've ever celebrated the fact that I do think it is appropriate that the 49ers won the 94 
Super Bowl. So you flip, you know, the palindrome year. Like, that is cool. They also scored 49 points in that Super Bowl. I mean, that, again, very cool thing. Like, I I think it's cool when numerical teams have numeric things. Like, like all of Philadelphia should get free stuff when the 76ers, like, score 76 points. You know what I mean? Like, it should, there should be things like that. But anyway, um, so despite the fact that you, uh, you know, pulled or poked or poured salt on a really deep wound of mine, um, I you have said something for a very long time that I will 100% give you credit for saying and 100% agree with. The 49ers own the Packers. And not just the Packers. The 49ers are one of the only teams that owns Aaron Rodgers. And I love it. I mean, it's obviously really great. This, I mean, he, he, and it, it feels like he shrinks against the 49ers. It, it really does in a way that he doesn't against other teams. Call it the, like, you know, the 2005 factor and everything, the boyhood team factor. You know, like, this isn't a factor for Tom Brady. Uh, but I mean, you know, <laughs> what, whatever you want to call it, this this is not his finest moment. I also think similar to the Chiefs, I think the Packers are walking a little bit taller this week. Like, yeah, yeah, told you we're back. It's like, bro, you guys were down at halftime to the Lions right. at home. You know, <laughs> like, congrats. You, you came back to, to beat the Lions, you know, respect and great job, Aaron Jones. And, you know, all the fun that came from Monday night. But I nobody's like impressed. And, and so. I could see this being just a dominate. This this could be one of those Sunday night football games that gets out of hand. And people are, you know, in the third quarter, you know, if, if you had something that you were putting off all day, you know, lots of, I don't know if you watch any TikTok stats, but uh, a very popular TikTok is kids in college that, that post themselves watching football all day and prolonging their homework until late at night for Monday morning. <laughs> and so, so, like, this is a crap, you know. I've spent the whole day watching this game. And this game's over now, so I'll just do my homework. That way I'm not staying up even later tonight. So, yeah, and look, BLG and you love to talk about vibes. I think it's bad vibes for the Packers. And I realize that the Ryder Cup is happening at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, that the Europeans are aligning themselves with the Packers. <laughs> look, I mean, this is this is America's game. You know, like, look, and this is the week where I am, you know, obviously full-on supporting the United States in the Ryder Cup. So for this week and this week alone, stats, the 49ers are technically America's team as the United States taking on the Europeans that are the Green Bay Packers. So you better not lose. Well, that's the question, right? Which Aaron Rodgers are we going to see? Are we going to see the guy that we saw in the first six quarters of the season when he looked completely ordinary and overmatched at times, frankly? Or are we going to see the guy we saw in the second half against Detroit who looked like the MVP from last season? And here's something else to consider. We know Rodgers does not do well when he's under pressure. The Packers could be down to their third string left tackle. David Bakhtiari is out. The backup has is questionable with an ankle injury. That means they could be at third string. Nick Bosa, D Ford, Eric Armstead, they are going to get after it. That's why I just think the 49ers should win this game. My only question for San Francisco is who the hell is going to run the ball? Because we've seen the 49ers be able to run it. Raheem Mostert is out. Elijah Mitchell has a shoulder injury. We don't know his status. Trey Sermon's coming off a concussion last week. We don't know his status. Jermichael Hasty has a high ankle sprain. He is out. Like, they may have to play Carrion Johnson, who's going to come off the practice squad, or Jacques Patrick, who they just picked up from the Bengals practice squad. They're down to their sixth running back. It's, um, I don't care who runs the ball. I really don't. Who cares? I mean, it's, this, this offense, I, I am... I'm upset, you know, I, and I, I'm upset that I have to agree with BLG stats 
but I do think that the 49ers have actually suffered two moral losses, and that's okay. You know, it, a moral loss is obviously better than an actual loss, but the 49ers offense, theoretically, Debo Samuel is so good. It's it's so sad to watch him play <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, my heart hurts. It's just somebody who wants to see greatness, and I am so mad at Kyle Shanahan for continuing to play Jimmy Garoppolo. It's it's boring. It's like um, I don't I don't know who it, it was, so you'll have to excuse me here. But um, did did you know that Michael J. Fox was not the original person who shot Back to the Future? Like I did beginning? know that. Yes. Yeah, I forget who the actor was, but they they couldn't get Michael J. Fox because he was on Family Ties, I think, at the moment, and so their schedules weren't working out. So. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and everybody went forward with, I know you're looking up who it is. Eric Stoltz. Uh, Eric Stoltz. They shot like, I think like 30% of the movie. Yep. And they just they just realized, you know what? It's not working. You know, sorry. And they apologized to Eric Stoltz. They worked it out with Michael J. Fox with Family Ties. He shot Back to the Future at night. You know what I mean? And turned it into the greatest movie of all time. Uh, all three are technically collectively one movie. And so that's this, man. Like, like Jimmy Garoppolo is Eric Stoltz. You know, like that, that's what's, it's just, it's not right. It doesn't feel good. It's not even about freeing Trey Lance. You know, like I know we're going to talk about Justin Fields. Justin Fields has through unfortunate circumstances been freed. It's about freeing the 49ers, you know, like, like free this team, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm sure Jimmy's a nice guy. Like, you know, nothing against him personally, but he's just, this isn't it, man. This, 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 this is, it's hard to watch. And if they lose this game, Kyle Shanahan is only himself to blame. Well, and here's the thing for the 49ers. They got Packers, they got Seattle the week after that, and they have Arizona the week after that. So, like, you got to get your house in order. You got to get yourself right here. You can't be scoring 17 points. That's not going to be good enough in the next three weeks. So whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or whether it's Trey Lance, they need somebody that can put up some points. I do think there's a chance to see Lance more in this game because I think that might be a way for Kyle Shanahan to get the ground game going with some of the running backs out. I think he might turn to Trey Lance a little bit. I certainly hope he does. Um, You know, maybe there's an element where he wants to unveil Trey Lance at home and and unveil his shiny new toy like like, uh, Sean McVay. But I hope he does because you're right. Like, the players, the pieces are in place for San Francisco to have a dynamic offense, and they they had 14 yards in the first quarter last week and no first downs. So I do want to say two last things, stats, before we leave this game, and they technically have nothing to do with this game. All right. <laughs> so first of all is I have a tweet to read you, and in looking at the tweet, I saw a spoiler for a show that comes on Wednesday nights that I haven't had a chance no, to watch. don't tell me the spoiler for what if. I don't want to know it. I don't even. Oh, I I haven't gotten there yet in 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 my Marvel path. So it wasn't that. Um. So I w- I won't tell anybody the spoiler. But it there's a show that I watch that comes on on Wednesday nights, and I haven't had a chance to watch it because I'm working like a madman. <laughs> and um and I just saw a spoiler for it on Twitter, so I'm pissed. But anyway, the tweet that I was gonna read you is actually about the Chiefs, not the 49ers. What did we just say? We just said that they are a team that really is upset that the, that that anyone would ever you know assume them to not be flawless right the, the the fact that they that anyone could ever assume any other team to be better than the chiefs is an insult to them the kansas city chiefs twitter account stats just tweeted a little video and the the text in it says we're 31 and 5 against the afc west since 2015 every other team in the nfl has lost at least 10 divisional games in that time with the like mind-blown emoji chiefs chill out dude like don't be so insecure about stuff you know it's 
I, I'm I'm changing my mind. Chargers, Chargers take on this. These, that's these are bad vibes from the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the Chargers. Wow, one tweet has flipped you. All Dude, right, they're bragging about like you know their divisional record the week ahead of a divisional game, arguably the most tough divisional opponent they have had in that same stretch since 2015. The lion does not concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. Well, the mm. sheep seem pretty concerned about what the sheep are t- uh, sheep are talking about. So I I picked the Chargers in that one. So I I feel good about my choice. What was the other thing you wanted to say? The spoiler thing. I you know I just wanted everyone to know that I'm sad. Really. Okay. I think we. I think that much is clear. Uh, the final game we're going to take a deep dive on, Bears at the Browns. Cincinnati, uh, excuse me, Cleveland is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That seems like a lot to me. Justin Fields is going to make his first start. And, and I feel like anyone with kids knows that there are some times in life, and you will learn this, RJ, where you have to drag your child kicking and screaming to the correct decision, right? Like your kid will eat ice cream for breakfast every day of their life if they could. Sometimes you got to make them eat the cereal. You got to make them eat the vegetables. Well, this is it for Chicago. Andy Dalton is hurt. He can't go. They are being dragged into the correct decision by finally having to play Justin Fields. And I honestly, I think they're going to see, like once he gets on the field and gets a chance to play, I think they're going to be like, oh, crap. It's going to be exactly like Justin Herbert last year. Like, this is clearly the guy we should have been playing all along. I know he had kind of a rough week last week, but Allen Robinson dropped what would have been, I think, like a 50- or 60-yard touchdown pass in the end zone last week that would have completely changed how Justin Fields' day looked. I think this is going to be the coming-out party for him. I really do. I loved what Steven said on NFL University this week. Uh, Allen Robinson was probably like, "This this ball looks weird," you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm not, I'm not touching this. Like this looks, this looks too weird. This to must me. be a trick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever. But um, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. But stats, this, the, and because I really won't pat myself because this was super easy to predict, especially how like terse Matt Nagy was about it. Yeah, Justin's gonna be our starter, but but. Andy's our starter when he's healthy. Like, dude, Matt, shut up. You know, like, 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 seriously, this is so annoying. And I mean, nobody believes you. Nobody, there's not a single person alive who who thinks this is a good idea. And I just, I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how any person in any circumstance would have gone down this path, particularly someone whose job is theoretically on the line in Matt Nagy. But the Chicago Bears remain the Chicago Bears. I I don't like this line, if I'm being honest, just because it's it's yep. unfair to Fields, uh, but or unfair to really betters because he's so unpredictable. You don't know who he's going to be. You could see him coming out and just being amazing. You can see him coming out and struggling. And it almost feels like stats like Matt Nagy's rooting for that. You know what I mean? Like he's he's rooting for, you know that it used to just amaze me how. A lot of Cowboys fans would be like, Dak, you know, Dak sucks because he doesn't have this. Just watch. You know, now that he doesn't have this, he's going to suck. It's like, you root for the team. Like, like, <laughs> you know, like if, if you're right, like, it, it, it was amazing to me that the Cowboys were like, Dak has to go prove it to us. It's like, okay, if you're wrong on this, you're going to have to pay him even more money than you anticipate, which is what happened. But if you're right, he's going to suck, and you're going to suck. And so you're screwed either way. And that's that's, like, I really believe, and I don't think this is dramatic or silly, I think however great Justin Fields, however even moderately good Justin Fields is, is like gradually going to become a larger and larger indictment of Matt Nagy. The the, the better Justin Fields continues to look, the worse Matt Nagy looks. In my That's opinion. what I've said. Yes. Like 
once you decide to bench him, it flips to that. Yeah, I mean, and the only worst example I can think of, honestly, in recent or long recent history is when Bill O'Brien you know, was insistent that, you know, Brian Hoyer is the guy <laughs> God, in Houston, yeah. and then pulled him after one half in favor of Deshaun Watson in 2017. And so that, that was even worse than this, but yeah, dude, Justin Fields is going to come out and, and now, and look, maybe he did this as an act of nobility, but Matt Nagy has at the at best fallen on a sword for Justin Fields because when he is great and it might not be Sunday against Cleveland, but it will happen this season when he is great, Every Bears fan will hate Matt Nagy because they will say this is like we should be two and zero. If if you started Fields, we would be two and zero. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. wasted all of our time. You know you and, and then alternative you could have signed other people with Andy Dalton. And like people will take this to ridiculous measures. And I feel badly for Andy Dalton. I really do. And because I, I only feel bad for him because Matt Nagy has made him out to be a putz. That like that's I don't feel bad for Andy losing his job. Like it's football. Like things happen, and it's unfortunate that he did get hurt. But Matt Nagy has really heightened the criticism that he has received because he has put him out on that stage to take it. A hundred percent. Every every bad throw Andy Dalton makes is magnified because of the decision that Matt Nagy made. You know, I've said many times that Matt Nagy is like a, a drowning person who refuses to grab the life preserver. You know what happens when you try and rescue a drowning person? A lot of the times they are so panicked that they actually almost fight the person that's trying to rescue them. And I feel like that's what Matt Nagy is doing when he says, oh, when Andy's the starter or when Andy's healthy, he, he's the starter again. Like, no, dude, just let the person drag you to shore. And that's what Justin Fields is going to do. And at the end of the day, he's going to let it happen because he wants to survive. And that's the only way he's going to survive because it's the only way they have a chance to win enough games for Matt Nagy to keep his job is if Justin Fields starts. I do also, I don't know who it was, but I want to give credit uh, to the Chicago Bears reporter who pressed back at him this week. We talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, uh, when nobody knew you know, what was going to happen with Andy Dalton. But he was asked if Andy Dalton, and he said he's the starter. And then you know, uh, or the reporter asked if Justin Fields would start if Andy Dalton was not healthy. And Matt Nagy said that he wasn't going to get into discussions or topics of offensive scheme. And, yeah. and the reporter said, that's not scheme. And I, <laughs> I, I give the reporter all the credit in the world for that. Uh, and Matt Nagy came back and said, yes, it is. This this just like there's there's Zach Taylor has surprised people that won a game this season, but there has not been a more predictable. This is going to end badly for you. Yep. Matt, Matt Nagy situation in the NFL, maybe since Jason Garrett. It's it's unbelievable that seemingly everyone else can see it except him. In terms of this game specifically, Jarvis Landry is going to be out for the Browns. Baker's obviously got the banged up shoulder. Do they just say like, screw it, we're running this ball 40 times and we think that could be enough to beat Chicago? As somebody who has shares of Kareem Hunt in a few fantasy leagues, I hope so. Um, Nobody but, cares. Uh, I think people care. I think some nope, people care. They but, don't. You know, whatever. Uh, one and one in my league of record. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. And that's why I think that that could be the difference. You know, and I'm really interested to see Baker Mayfield. I'm glad that we, I don't know of anything else that we've all agreed on except for Baker. You don't have to make this tackle. You know, yes. <laughs> like, like, yes. no, no, nobody, nobody thinks you're less tough if you avoid the tackle. Um, but. I think I'm really interested to see like his just disposition and how things maybe are different. And this is weird because like once upon a time, Baker was Justin Fields, right? You know, yeah. why, why are you starting to Rod Taylor? Why are you wasting time? Baker's the number one overall pick. And it's just weird how like 
to go back to time. You know, like that's how quickly time changes in the NFL. Baker's rookie season, by the way, was the season of the crazy Chiefs Rams Monday Night Football game. Just putting that out there, you know, no big deal. Uh, but so I, I, I think that's how you attack this game if you're Cleveland. But Chicago's defense is like has shades of still being really good. Um, and I think I, I, I also I don't believe in like a one player lifting the team and, you know, to like a ridiculous narrative level. But I do think that Justin Fields will be awesome, or at least will, it will feel like he's awesome. So I think he is a rising tide that lifts all boats. I could see this being a really statement sort of win for Chicago. Not like they go out and just dominate from a score perspective, but they go out and win with authority. It could be the kind of thing where Justin Fields comes in, they start moving the ball, and all of a sudden the Bears start thinking like, hey, we can win this game. Like, we got a guy now, you know? Like, that, that is a legitimate thing that happens. I will take the Bears and the points. I think Cleveland will win, but six and a half is a lot for me, so I'm going to hedge my bets. All right, RJ, the time has come. The week three lightning round. The lightning round! We start in Houston where the Panthers come into town. The Panthers are giving eight points in this game. Their defense has been really, really good, and nobody has been getting more credit just for not being a tire fire than the Houston Texans. I also think that nobody's been getting credit for not being a tire fire. Other, or I think other people that fall into that category are Sam Darnold and Matt Rule. I mean, you know, they beat the Jets, and then they beat the Saints, who you're not that high on. You know what I mean? That front seven's really good, um, but I... I don't know. I mean, they're they're really, you know, their defensive EPA per play is really impressive. But that's like that formula doesn't work. You know, the really good defense that's trapped by an offense or trapped by a quarterback specifically. I think they'll win. I think they'll cover because it's a rookie quarterback in week three of his career. I mean, that's just tough cookies. But the Panthers are, are on my radar as, as frauds a little bit, would be yep. frauds. And just putting this out there because BLG loves to talk about how the Cowboys get a break every year on Thanksgiving. The Carolina Panthers stats play tonight on Thursday Night Football. They play the Dallas Cowboys next week. The Panthers literally getting the longest amount of rest possible, and the Cowboys play on Monday Night Football, so getting the shortest amount of rest possible. How does that happen? Like, that's stupid to me, but whatever. I, I will take the Panthers to cover. Washington and Buffalo. The Bills are favored by 7.5 points. Another tough defense for Josh Allen, whose comments this week, he seems like a little down on himself. He said, like, it's no secret that I haven't been good so far this season. I think he felt a lot of pressure to live up to last year. It's been a tough start for him. He seemed a little down to me. They are much better than the New York Giants. I think Josh Allen wakes up. I think they cover. And I think people start to realize how bad Taylor Heineke is. Not Tyler Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Baltimore goes to Detroit. The Lions are getting seven and a half points. Could this be a letdown game for Baltimore coming off the huge win against Kansas City? Detroit has been spunky, let's just say, throughout the season so far. You think we could see a little bit of a letdown from the from the Ravens? No, because it's the Lions. You can correct me <laughs> if I if I botch this, but the Lions, I believe, have allowed 30 points in every single game since something like late 2018 like they have one of the longest streaks in the nfl of allowing 30 plus points um so i think that baltimore will cover here I, this this is actually one of my favorite lines of the week for that reason i wow. know it doesn't it doesn't seem that you know uh that friendly but um i saw it at seven and a half earlier this week and i mean if you can get it there i mean i think totally take it because i think the line it'll be kind of like the lions games this season maybe, maybe not week one but it'll be a little bit close you know people will be monitoring it and then baltimore will just pull away and Jared Goff will unfortunately not have enough. Jared Goff will be Jared Goff. Indianapolis travels to Tennessee. The Titans are giving five. 
I, I don't think that's enough, RJ. I saw this morning that Brett Hundley, the practice squad quarterback for the Colts, took the majority of reps in practice, which shows their confidence or lack thereof in Jacob Eason. Carson Wentz has sprained every ankle that he has. They don't know if he's going to play. That could be literally a Sunday decision. The the it's all, the tires are off the car early for Indy. I think Tennessee is going to whoop them, especially coming off a nice comeback win against Seattle. I feel badly for the Colts offensive line that they've had to take heat when Carson Wentz has been Carson Wentz. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is going to be bad. Tennessee and Tennessee easy. New Orleans goes to New England. The Patriots are giving three. This is going to be a nice litmus test for me for the Saints, right? Jameis looked really good in week one. Then he looked like Jameis Winston last week. Well, now you got to play Bill Belichick and his defense when they're coming off an absolute shredding of Zach Wilson the week before. Let's see if Jameis really is this new and improved guy. I wouldn't touch this game personally. Like if, if I had to, you know, like some people do like leagues where you you have to pick 10 games and things like that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch this one. It's a little weird to me. I I'll lean new England. Um, but it's the one I feel the least confident in just because ultimately it comes down to Bill Belichick versus Sean Payton. Atlanta goes to New York to take on the Giants. This is the most amazing stat. It actually took me a while to research this, but I couldn't believe it. The Giants are giving two and a half in the game. Do not buy into this whole, like, Daniel Jones is pretty good. Look what he did last week against Washington. Here's the thing. He always looks good against Washington. In five games against them, he is 4-1 and one with 10 total touchdowns and three turnovers. That's really, really good, right? The problem is... In the 24 other games Daniel Jones has played in his career, he's 4-20 and 20 with 32 total touchdowns and 37 total turnovers. Daniel Jones is a trash bag at quarterback. He's going to continue to be a trash bag. Give me the Falcons and the points, and I feel great about it. I agree with everything you said. I would also add part of the reason I believe for Daniel Jones' success a week ago today is if Jason Garrett was elite at one thing and – and I've shouted out BLG several times, so to do it one more time, he, he would laugh at this, but it really was competing against the NFC East. Like, he was really great at studying those opponents. Jason Garrett is this, like, old-school football mind, you know, like, you got to you gotta beat the teams in your division and win a division title, you know, like, that's, that's how Jason Garrett <laughs> thinks. That's a good impression. Right. So, I mean, he puts a lot of time, a lot more time and effort into those games. There's value in that, obviously, but it, it makes sense that Daniel Jones had a, had a more sterling performance than he did and he would against anybody else. But yeah, I mean, the Giants are a disaster, dude. I mean, Joe Judge is my, I can't, I thought there wouldn't be a head coach I felt less confident about than Matt Nagy, but Joe Judge is, <laughs> is coming for that. Yeah, I'm not a believer there. Cincinnati goes to Pittsburgh. The Steelers are giving three and a half. I don't know, RJ. Ben Roethlisberger is hurt. Of course, he's done his Ben Roethlisberger thing and let everybody know how hurt he is and how much he's going to play through the pain. The Steelers made a big deal about how much better they had to get in the run game this offseason. They got some new offensive linemen. They took Najee Harris in the first round, and so far it has been a disaster. They have the worst running game in the league. I wouldn't be stunned, especially with the banged-up T.J. Watt. I'm not even sure if he's going to play. I believe he's questionable right now. I would not be stunned if Cincinnati won this game. I would. Um, I don't believe in Pittsburgh by any means, but the Bengals are the Bengals. You know, Joe Burrow threw three straight interceptions last week. The first time 
that any quarterback had done this since the guy that all my friends on the SB Nation NFL show told me was going to be the reason that the Washington football team was going to win the division <laughs> this season in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did it back in 2018. Also, the season that Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick and that the Chiefs and Rams won the night football game happened to measure time again in a weird way for you stats. Um, so that being said, I'm definitely concerned about Joe Burrow in his second season. I would like to see him with a different coach, different offense. I would love to see that for his sake, but I just I I believe the Steelers are frauds, but the Bengals are just bad. I mean, so I <laughs> I will take Pittsburgh and there will be another week where they will be exposed. The Arizona Cardinals with a full head of steam go into Jacksonville. The Jags are only getting 7 points to me. That seems low. If Kyler Murray is going to win the MVP, he's got to get fat and happy in a game like this. They should dominate the Jaguars. Well, this to me reminds me of what you said about the Niners in week one. Because sometimes we see this where teams get off to nice starts and then they play a team that isn't a competitor and they either lose or barely win. You want us to take you seriously, Cardinals? You know, you, you think you're 2-0? and You think you're for real? Go just whoop them. Go whoop the Jaguars and continue, like you said, stat pad. Really highlight, highlight, elevate yourselves, get to 3-0. and Maybe go beat the Niners in a couple of weeks. I mean, but you really got to win this game with authority if you want us to start putting you in the top five, top four, top threes of the world. Completely agree with you. Let's go next up. Denver welcomes in the New York Jets. Denver, Denver Frog. is giving 10 and a half points to the New York Jets. Two things for me in this one. One, I want to see how Zach Wilson bounces back. Rough game for him last week against Belichick with the four picks. But that happens to rookies have games like that. The important thing to me is what he does next. Denver has a very good defense still. And don't look now, RJ, but Denver has a chance to go 3-0. and We could wake up on Monday morning where Denver Ross. is 3-0 and and the Chiefs are 1-2. and the Broncos and the Panthers are the two biggest frauds in the NFL. And they're both going to be three and zero because of these teams that they're, that they've played. Obviously Denver played the giants who you just, you know, were really mean to Daniel Jones about. And obviously he played the Jaguars. I mean, not real stiff competition and they will beat the jets and they'll get to three and zero, and everyone will be who watch out. The Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> right. Exactly. Here's who the Broncos play after that stats starting in week four, the Baltimore Ravens, they visit the Pittsburgh Steelers the Las Vegas Raiders at Cleveland, Washington at home Oof. at Dallas, Philadelphia at home. They're by, then they get the chargers, the chiefs. I mean, it is a, as you like to say, meat grinder for the Broncos <laughs> coming up. And so, yeah, don't be like, stealing my stuff ne next week. It will be, Oh my gosh, the Broncos, Vic Fangio, John Elway stepped aside from general manager. Look what happened. Wow. What a great leader, blah, blah. And in the, in a blink of an eye, by the time stats, you're dressing your kids up in their Halloween costumes. The Broncos will be <laughs> below 500 and all will feel normal. Yeah, fade the Broncos. I feel really good about that. That's a good call by you. Miami goes to Las Vegas. The Raiders are giving four and a half points. No Tua Tungavailoa in this game. They discovered a hairline fracture in his ribs. That's one of the most painful injuries you can have. The Raiders need to handle their business in this game, just like the Cardinals. The Raiders have shown, like, they've made the statement to the AFC, like, we're here, we're good. Derek Carr is being aggressive. Our offense is legit. Well, don't even struggle against Miami. Go put it on the Dolphins. Let's see it, Derek Carr. The only thing I would say, or I slightly disagree, because I generally agree, but the Raiders have played two 
tough games, right? They, they, you know, and you could argue they got a little bit lucky against the Ravens on Monday night. And I, I've already acknowledged that Pittsburgh's a fraud, but that's a that's a big like narrative win for the Raiders to go to Pittsburgh to beat that kind of big bad Wolf team. It's it's not the same as a normal thing. So you know, unlike the Cardinals, like I don't think the Cardinals have really been tested. I know they beat the Titans, whatever, but I mean this. I, I, I'm kind of happy for the Raiders to get this like kind of cupcake game. You know what I mean? Like they, they kind of deserve it, but I'm with you, you know, go win it with some level of authority. I just don't think they have to win it with as much authority to impress me as the Cardinals. do. Here's why this game is important for the Raiders. Let's say they win the game this week. Next week they play the chargers, but they have the potential to be through a quarter of their season, essentially at worst three and one with all of those wins coming against the AFC. That's going to be huge when it comes playoff time. If they're competing for, you know, obviously the division is one thing, but a wild card spot, that would be a massive feather in their cap to be at worst three and one and potentially four and oh, all against the AFC. And then just looking beyond that, because I think we're at a point where we start to, or we are starting to understand who teams are. Say they are 4-0, right? Like, be really optimistic. Starting in week five, they get the Bears at home. And maybe Justin Fields is turning it around, but who knows? They visit the Broncos. You and I both think they suck. They get the Eagles at home, who are also a little bit of fraudulent. Uh, then they're on their bye. They visit the Giants in week nine. So they don't play the Chiefs until week 10. And then even after they play the Chiefs, they get the Bengals at home. Like, I think, you know, they visit the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I think when they visit the Cowboys, they might have three losses. That's totally fair. I mean, if they can be the killer that we talked about, right? If they can be aggressive and stay aggressive and don't let teams get up off the mat, that very well could be the case. And I'm kind of rooting for it. Like, I think the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. John Gruden is kind of a weird dude. He's a character. Like, I, I would like to see him coach a relevant team. So let's see it from the Raiders. Put it on the Miami Dolphins. And the last game of the week, RJ, Seattle goes to Minnesota. Minnesota is getting one and a half points. They might be the best 0-2 team in the league. But they're still 0-2. It's tough, man. I mean, if if we looked at every 0-2 team and we we stretched, we, we looked at, we said, if we kind of like Dr. Strange did and said, how many things <laughs> do we have to change, you know, for them to be 2-0, the, the shortest list would be the Vikings because, you know, the Dalvin Cook fumble in week one, that's obviously debatable, that led to their their overtime loss against Cincinnati. And, you know, poor Kirk Cousins gets in, in field goal range last week against the Cardinals. And sometimes it does come down to kicking. And so, it's really, I mean, it's it's two, three things that you've you've got to like stretch on, so to speak, to get Minnesota there. And I think that makes them dangerous to to a certain degree. But I do think, first of all, Seattle is a team that knows how to cut somebody's head off. So you know, you're you're not running into an easy landing spot if for if you're trying to get that first one of the season. And I think falling, people love to talk about how 0-2 is this death sentence, so to speak. You know, all the playoff probabilities that are different now that there are 17 games. But 0-3 is impossible. You, you can't come you can't come back from 0-3. And what happens is if you're 0-3, then the lot you kind of start to lose the locker room. And people start to really doubt, really wonder. I've been saying this for week stats. The Cowboys visit the Vikings in week eight. And both teams are coming off their bye. This will be unfair to Kirk Cousins. Granted, he's, you know, not somebody that people will feel badly about because of what he's done to this point in his career. But when you're 0 three and you're Mike Zimmer, it's okay. We got to change something. We got, we got to do something. And I'm telling you that will be Kellen Mond's first start in the NFL. That could, I was literally about to say that exact thing is that if they're 0 three and the wheels start to come off a little bit, they drafted Kellen Mond for a reason and they are not really, you know, tied to Kirk cousins for the long term here. So they may want to do that. 
Zimmer just signed a contract extension, so maybe he feels secure enough to do that, that if he does make the quarterback change and Kellen starts to show a little something, you know, he feels good about that. And here's the other point for Seattle. In a loaded NFC West, you cannot start the season 1-2 and two, when potentially the Cardinals could be 3-0. and oh, Maybe the 49ers will be 3-0. and oh, Maybe the Rams will be 3-0. and oh. you, you cannot go 1-2. and two. That was a Bad loss last week against the Titans. They were winning that game. I think it was like 24 to 9 at one point. Titans had a 14% win probability with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's a bad, bad loss, especially at home. You have to handle your business if you're Seattle because after the Minnesota game, you go to San Francisco, then you play the Rams, then you play the Steelers. You need this win if you're the Seahawks, and I think Russell's going to come out. I think he's going to be aggressive, and I do think the Seahawks are going to win, and I think they easily cover the one and a half. I agree with that, and just on the subject of looking ahead, which is literally the title of our show, um, but say the Vikings do lose this game because we both kind of think that's going to happen, obviously. Their opponent next week is the Cleveland Browns, who are one of the top five teams in the NFL. So if if you think 0-2 is tough, 0-3 is even tougher. And if you think 0-3 sucks, then 0-4 really sucks. After that, they get the <laughs> Panthers and the Lions. And so that's what I'm saying. I could see them falling to 0-4 maybe. And, you know, all this, like, you know, finger pointing, inward fighting, whatever. You get you scrap those two wins together. But it's like, man, we're 2-4. and four. We're coming off some positive momentum. We got to change something. And you, you don't throw in a rookie quarterback just like, on a whim unless you have to like the bears and Matt Nagy against his will. But the bye week is when we generally see a lot of teams do that, right? Like, Oh, he gets an extra week to prepare, blah, blah, all this stuff. So, uh, Kellen Mond is coming. If Seattle loses, are you willing to say they do not win the NFC West? I'm willing to say that, but I think that they are certainly a playoff team. Like, I, I mean, I don't know that I'm in on this, you know, the NFC West is sending four teams to the playoffs take. Um, but Seattle will, will stabilize, you know, and you know, we're talking, you're, you're talking at least about the NFC West and how everybody, you know, theoretically could be undefeated except for Seattle, but the self-cannibalization will happen. You know, these to, to help, and this will hurt Seattle too, potentially, but if Seattle wins that flip of the coin, so to speak, and the other team, if, if all those other interdivision games fall the right way for them, it could still work out. So there you have it. That is our look at week three. Again, we don't do the Monday night football game because we leave that to RJ and Pete Sweeney on Monday Football Monday. And you can find out all you want to know about Cowboys and Eagles on the NFC East mixtape, which is available. Wait, wait, Stats, wait. I need you to pick Cowboys-Eagles because you won't be on Monday Football Monday. That's true. I need you to pick it. Man, I actually was pretty impressed by Jalen Hurts, but I got to go with the Cowboys. Dak, Dak is freaking good, man. And I know that the Eagles have good fronts, but the 49ers offense is so much so much more limited than the Cowboys the Cowboys can score points with anybody I gotta go with the Cowboys I'm sorry way to go stats I love you and those beautiful brown eyes of yours (laughs) sorry BLG Uh, enjoy the week everybody we will talk to you in week four again if you haven't done it yet please rate review and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show go 49ers we'll talk to everybody next week Justin Fields it's free Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS Via, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. 
It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 